0: All right. Well, good morning again. Um, it's been an exciting uh, week for me. The, the summer for Chelsea, Chelsea, my wife, is a kindergarten teacher, so she gets the summer off. And if you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen Summer Chels, which is usually like her with a glass of wine. Like, and I'm, I'm creating a montage for the end of the summer. Um, but uh, we, we take that time and we take advantage of that time uh, to kind of cram as much as we possibly can into a summer, and uh, we were out of town at the front end of the week, and then the last end of the week, uh, we were up in Santa Barbara, and my sister got married uh, yesterday. So, um, I was at a wedding last night in Santa Barbara, drove down this morning, thus, I'm sitting down. (laughs) I may get up, we'll see. Um, But I'm just super glad uh, to be with you. This week brought me a lot, uh, just in terms of what we're going to be talking about, which is that faith is shared. So, During the summer, we have been going through a series called Faith is Blank. And so basically, we're filling in that blank each week over the summer. And those aren't topics that I actually chose. What we did is uh, Bobby created a painting of a church, and we had you guys basically write down what you thought faith was or what faith is, what your opinion of faith is, what you hope faith could be, what drives you crazy about faith. And then we pinned them to that board, which was the painting, and then I've just been plucking these words or these phrases or these topics out and it will do for the rest of the summer. So if you still have like, thoughts, opinions, uh, like anxiety over this stuff, please email me some more topics. We're, we're not, those aren't like set in stone. So we're, we're kind of going through these. Um, so we did Faith is Disruption was the first one that we did, which was awesome. And then we did uh, Faith is a Journey. And I talked about the band journey and my disdain for them. And now this week... Uh, we're talking about faith is shared. And I think this is super, super important. It was actually very difficult for me to sit down and write this. One, because we were out of town. But then two, just it was very difficult for me because this brings up a lot of baggage when it comes to Christianity. I don't know if you guys have a background in spirituality at all, especially if you were grown up in like an evangelical context. This whole faith is shared thing can get kind of out of hand and a little bit too much. And so what I want to do this morning is take that concept back. Basically, we are supposed to share our faith, but it's an outpour of the good news that we have, right? It's, it's the way that we're living our lives. It's the response to the good news. So we're supposed to share our faith, but we're also supposed to share in our faith. So what we're going to talk about this morning is, yes, we are called to go out and share this stuff and be good news in our community and be good neighbors. That's at the very core of what Jesus was talking about. But a really, really, really important aspect to faith is the fact that we share it together in spaces like this. This is where faith comes together, and we're able to strengthen each other. We're able to walk with each other. So we're called to share our faith, and we're called to share in our faith. And the most important thing that we're going to learn today is that we're never called into this alone. We're always called to partner together to share good news. So that's a lot to cover. Uh, Let me pray so that I don't uh, derail us. Lord, we're here uh, and, and we're so excited for what you're going to do this morning, I pray, as we talk about sharing our faith, uh, that like Joel said, you'd speak through me, um, and the scriptures that we're going to tackle, Lord, uh, would you just enlighten us, amen. Um, so, let's talk about the way we share things, because I'm kind of fascinated with just the way that we interact. I, mean, f- coming, mean, My generation coming from the fact that we had a landline, to now, like, I don't even know if landlines are still a thing, does anybody have a landline in here, still a Yes, we're, oh, one, okay, two. All right, well, you oh, guys. <laughs> um, but coming coming from that big of a leap, studies have shown in the last 10 years, we've gone from like zero to 60 on the way that we absorb information. We have a phone in our pocket. In fact, I'm preaching from a phone today. We have a phone in our pocket that talks to space. <laughs> that's just a thing. And we're constantly able to absorb news, whether that's through social media, whether that's through uh, the news app, whether that's through um, YouTube, whatever it is, we're constantly able to consume, and we're constantly able to take in, and that's a great thing, and that's a stressful thing, right? I've never really left my phone going like, "Oh, that was time well spent." (laughs) It's always like, "Why am I doing this?" And yet the algorithm works, so I'm like, "I'm still doing it." I'm gonna get, and yeah, and I'm liking things. Um, But what's interesting is that like the difference between good news, and the difference between mass news, right? I would call something like Facebook or Instagram or Twitter mass news. It's, a, it's just like a fire hose and maybe there's some good news on it, but most of the time it's just a lot, right? And good news, something that is good, always seems to poke through, but then there's this other little rascal on the other side, if good news pokes through then fear and scary news always seems to rise to the top as well. Uh, Jimmy Fallon was interviewed by Rolling Stone, and he was talking, they were talking to him about all the viral videos that he's done. So if you know Jimmy Fallon, you know like, the guy is like a viral machine. And uh, they asked him, like, well, how do you make like, something go viral? And he said that that's like, the wrong question. The, the question is, how do you make something good? He's like, when we do something good and all of us feel it in the room, that's the thing that actually goes. And w- when we try and make something viral, it ends up on the scrap heap. It just never really works out. The good news travels, and it's unstoppable in a weird way. So let's talk about that little rascal that we're talking about, that fear, that anxiety, uh, the scary news. Um, it turns out, and Richard Rohr talks about this. If you guys know who Richard Rohr is, he's a Franciscan uh, priest and an author, and he's written some incredible stuff. Uh, this was really profound, as I found it out this week. So uh, it turns out that when we look at something scary or fearful, or, like news included, it makes an immediate impression on our mind. Our memory neurons fire really, really quickly, and it's an immediate impression. So we remember it. Somehow, even in all of like, the scary stuff that we see in our social media feeds, whether that's weird relatives or actual scary news, that actually like, makes an imprint on our brain instantly. But good news, something that is hopeful, something that actually is good and, and will bring joy in your life, Studies have shown that that takes 15 seconds to settle in. 15 seconds. So what Richard Rohr talks about is like when you see something good, hold on to that for 15 seconds, and then you'll remember it. Isn't that weird? So we're instantly able to like understand the fear, but it takes us 15 seconds to understand the good. And at first, you're like, why are we wired like that? That doesn't even make any sense. Why would God do that? But if you really think about it, it's like an awesome symbol for how the good in our lives is meant to be savored. Like, we are meant to hold on to the good things and fight for the good things, because there's so much craziness going on in the world, basically at the very, very base level of our wiring, we are called to fight for hope, for good, to hold on to good and to hope. So I I was uh, uh, racking my brain, again, this was a really tough topic for me to get uh, my head around, and I came up with like every, you ever been in a situation where you're procrastinating and like mowing the lawn sounds like a better decision? Like I'll do it, I'll I'll clean the house, I will like buy a new car, anything you want, like put me through the most stressful thing except that one thing. Uh, and this week, that was it. And so I, I was just making every excuse. I was like, well, I don't have all my books with me, or I don't have my big scholarly Bible, and I don't have, like, I have the Internet. It's, it's a giant world, right? All I needed to do was sit down. And I was reminded of this, this verse, and it's so funny that Joel mentioned this, but um, it's, it's one of the coolest verses in Scripture, and I'm going to apply it here, and I know that most of us are not writing sermons during the week, but this applies for us all, and I really believe God wants us to hear this this morning. Um, it says... And don't worry about what you'll say or how you'll say it. The right words will be there. The spirit of your father will supply the words. I'm just going to read that one more time so I can soak in. 15 seconds, remember? (laughs) And don't worry about what you'll say or how you'll say it. The right words will be there. The spirit of your father will supply the words. It's profound. And again, like I said, most of us aren't writing... Uh, sermons each week, but I think if you take that into your lives, that's a really profound statement. What I began to see, what I began to recognize as I was wrestling with this verse and letting it do its work on me, is that I, I kind of had to reckon with the fact that I don't often believe that. I really struggle with believing that when I'm in a situation where I'm talking about faith or I'm talking just in general, I, I put all the blame and the stress and the worry on myself myself. And I don't really trust that aspect, that God is going to speak in this moment. I think a major part of sharing our faith is just getting out of the way. We get in our own way way too often when we share this stuff. Um, I don't know about you. Have any, look, so when I stay in a hotel room, um, I have this unbelievable gift, and it's more of a curse, but I will walk in, and instantly, like, I'll put my, my wallet and my keys, and I'll scatter things throughout. It's like a subconscious little like, uh, scavenger hunt that my evilness is making me do. But I will lose everything I have within 15 minutes of being in a hotel room. And then when it's time to go, I'm like, what have I done? Where have I gone? And I have to retrace my steps and find everything again. Uh, but I found, like, if, I, if I'm like, trying to get out the door, and it's really stressful, and I'm panicking, and I'm trying to look for these things, I never find them. Right? I'm in, a, I'm in a, like, a mode of panic, I'm in a mode of stress, and when I'm trying to find the keys or the wallet or whatever it is, it's so much more difficult when I'm stressed and panicked to find them than if I just took a second and I was like, okay, calm down, chill, you're not gonna die here, <laughs> we're gonna find these keys, and then it's really easy to find the things, because my brain isn't in panic mode, it's not in uh, lizard brain. So, there's a part of your brain that's like the oldest part of your brain and it really helped us out as a species. It's, it's very vitally important because our ancestors, when they would see a tiger in the wilderness, that's the part of the brain that was the fight or flight, it was like, get out, that's a tiger, you're gonna die. It helped us out a lot back then. However, that same part of our brains fires when we get a bad email. It fires when we get stressed about work on Monday. It's the same gut level reaction as, like, as if something was literally chasing you, trying to kill you. And what's crazy, when we talk about faith and what we place faith and hope in, I think a lot of us have a really easy time trusting that part of our brain. We have tremendous faith in the fear and in the stress of this world. Because like I said, we're wired to believe that. We're wired to remember those fearful and stressful moments. But we have to hold on and fight for the good. So in these moments when you feel that panic and that fear and that anxiety, you just need to take a breath calm down, and then that's where faith steps in. But I think all too often when we're sharing our faith, we're coming from a place of fear. And fear is a powerful motivator. Where fear is, you will find a large crowd. That's very true when it comes to churches too. In church, if you represent fear, you're going to see a big, big church. And it's so sad to me that those spaces pump out fear and not love and hope. Because when we grab onto that stuff, that's when kingdom stuff happens. That's when Jesus moves. Speaking of Jesus, because we're going to get to him, I want to go through a, uh, a scripture with you guys um, that shows exactly how Jesus wanted us to share our faith. It's amazing. It's like we have this book that everything's written in. <laughs> uh, but he gives us a really clear outline. And this comes out of the book of Mark. And this is um, right, uh, it's, it's, it's near the beginning of the book. And we don't talk about this a lot, but, like, Jesus calls his disciples, and then we have, at least in Mark, we have two chapters. Two chapters after that, Jesus sends them out. So he's called them, they're his disciples, and he says, he names the twelve. And then two chapters later, after they've listened to him a little bit and they've seen what he's done, the healing that he's brought and his kingdom that he's bringing into the world, the next step, he's like, okay, so you guys are going. Like, I want you to go out, and I want you to share this with the world. And the way that he does that is super unique because these guys aren't experts in this stuff. These are fishermen that he pulled out of a boat just two chapters ago. <laughs> and he's like, these are the people that I want to go and share this message. And I'm going to give you a really simple outline of how I want that to be done. And I pray as we read this outline, we would view this as the church. This is how we are called to step out and do this. Um, so it says, and he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. So hold on to that two by two. That's really important. And gave them authority over unclean spirits. We have that next one. There we go. Um, he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts. But to wear sandals, I'm a fan of that, and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, when you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, When you leave, shake the dust um, that is on your feet as a testimony against them. That's the last one. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Let's hold on to that word, repent, too, because that can be very scary. Uh, And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil uh, many who were sick and healed them. So there's a lot of context that we need to unpack here, but this is the the template that Jesus gives them um, for sharing. So there's a couple things to look at right off the bat. the first thing I want us to pay attention to is the fact that Jesus sends them out. And that's what we talked about with the infographic, right? Arrows out. So he doesn't say, hey, I want you to go out and I want you to gather a bunch of people and I want you to bring them in to what we're doing. There's no directive there to say, then bring them back. It just says, go out into the world and share this good news. And more than that, he's actually calling them to be good news. He's sending them off with the ability to like heal these people. To say, like, I'm going to bring wellness to this space. I'm going to be a good neighbor here. When he calls them into this context, this is called desert hospitality in this ancient context, right? So when you would go out and you were on a journey and you found a home, which would be more of like a settlement, you would walk into that home and the culture of the day, it was almost impossible to turn someone away. When you would show up, the host would host you, you'd get water, you'd get some bread, and you'd be on your way. Right? What Jesus is calling them into is to literally show up uninvited to a home and linger, right? Like the worst party guest ever. <laughs> so he's calling them to go into these spaces and live life with these people. So if you were on one of these ancient settlements in these families, you would have to kind of pull your own. So we say work with these people, work in their daily context in their lives, learn the rhythms of their family, be a guest. And not a host, be a guest, and not a host. I truly believe that modern Christianity's worst problem is that we have relied too heavily on trying to be the host and not the guest. We we're the one. If you think about the, the the dynamics of a host and a guest, if you're the host, you come from a, like a place of kind of power. You're calling the shots. You're the one who's able to give, and you can give generously, and that's a beautiful picture. But the crazy picture is what Jesus calls these disciples into, which is to be the vulnerable host. Go out. And he literally puts in there, not every home is going to want to have you there. And when that happens, shake the dust off. That's not like, that's not like, a, like a, a shrug or like, a, you know, like a, a point of ill content on their part. Shaking the dust off just means like, okay, like this place was not for me. And I think we have to go as we share our faith with that humble attitude. An attitude of like, if, if this relationship isn't working out, that's not something I should be taking personally. This stuff isn't on me. Remember, God is going to do the talking. Uh, the, other, the other crazy uh, thing that's in there is that word repent. So, I want us to focus on that word because that word is very scary. We're going to take it back this morning. Repent actually comes from a uh, a Hebrew word called teshuva. And teshuva is this beautiful word. Not only is it really fun to say teshuva, but it's this beautiful word that literally means to turn around. So when we ask people to repent, we aren't saying tell me everything bad you've ever done in your life and let's work through all these things. What we're really calling people to do is like, hey, there's this other way of life that is gracious and generous and beautiful. And when you encounter it, it actually causes you to do a 180. And you can't even help it. Teshuva is not a voluntary action. It is a reaction, right? It is something that has happened to us. And so because of that, we have to live a different way. We are so compelled to live a different way. And if we're not compelled, I invite you to step deeper into this. Because the deeper we step, the more compelled we are going to be to teshuva, to turn, to repent, to go 180 and into the world in gracious stuff. The last thing um, that I want to talk about is the posture that he sends the disciples out in. He literally tells them, take nothing with you for the journey. Not even a second tunic, which if you're thinking, you know, desert times, it's going to get pretty smelly out there. Not even that second tunic. You don't even get that. So when you arrive, you're going to be, like, dirty and messy and and you're only going to have sandals and a tunic on your feet, you're going to have nothing with you. No food, no money, no supplies, just what you need to get to that place, and then you're going to place yourself in this ultimate stage of vulnerability where you're going to ask for shelter. Imagine, guys, imagine if we were able to share our faith like that, where we come vulnerable and broken, and to that person we're trying to explain Jesus to, we're also asking for shelter. We're saying, I have this Jesus thing, I know him personally, I wanna share that with you, but I want to know that you can give me shelter, that, that literally I'm welcome in this place to do that. And if I'm not welcome in this place to do that, then I'm not going to do that. I think one of our major problems is we often take way too much with us, way too much for this journey that God is calling us into vulnerability on. Imagine, I mean, right now, if you were to share Jesus with someone, that would be incredible. But then the problem is if you bring too much, then you're like, here's Jesus. Oh, by the way, we have our own rock bands, right? Like, nobody wants those rock bands. <laughs> we're bringing too much subculture, and that's damaging. And it's no longer compelling. I truly believe that in 2017, that kind of, of faith just isn't going to work out. It's shallow. It's great. Hanging out in the shallow end is a fun time. But as we progress and we get deeper, we have to learn that we gotta, we gotta carry nothing with us into these situations, and we need to be vulnerable. It's taking on the culture of that host, too. So as we're there, we're adapting to our surroundings and going like, I'm gonna work with you, and I'm just here to help in any way I can. That's truly what Jesus is calling us into, especially as we share our faith, but just in general, he's just calling us into the world, going like, adapt to what's around you and be a good neighbor. Be a good guest in your community. And that means helping in any capacity that you find fit, any capacity that you get excited about, any capacity that they need help. There was action in what they are doing. And I pray for our church that we would take on that posture of vulnerability and be a guest and not a host. A guest and not a host. Arizona. And if we do that, I think crazy things are going to happen, and I'm so excited. So uh, let me pray for us, and then let's get on to our second service. Lord, um, I'm so grateful uh, for the church. I'm so grateful for the ability to share our faith and to share in our faith. The other part of that scripture that is so important is that you sent them out two by two. You're never calling us to do this alone. You're always calling us to do this in the context of community, which is what we have here, which is what just church in general represents. And so, Lord, I just pray that um, you bring us closer. Amen.